Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. Our desire is to help people understand God's intention for their life. We hope wherever you're listening, you are blessed by this week's message. Happy Resurrection Sunday! Yes, today is Resurrection Sunday. It is such a great time to really celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, Let me tell you, I said this on Good Friday. Let me say it again. I believe that the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the biggest event in history. It is the thing that has shaped humanity, shaped world civilizations. It has shaped history. I mean, it has shaped individual lives. You can't overstate the importance of the resurrection of Christ. And I'm just so happy to be celebrating this day with you. Let me tell you something. The resurrection of Christ is, is just that, that huge, that important. And um, we're going to get into the Word of God. And I just want to right now encourage you right where you are. Gather your friends. Gather your neighbors if you can. Let them know. Call them. Let, let them know. Log on. Because I believe that today is a special day. A day where we get to celebrate Jesus. A day that we don't just look at the resurrection as a thing that happened in the past. And it's like, wow, that was nice, great story. But more importantly, we actually get to see how it impacts our life today. And let me tell you something, the resurrection of Christ has an impact for your life today. And there's really one hope, there's really one word I should say that comes to mind, and for me that is hope. I mean, there's a lot of words that you can use to describe the resurrection Uh, But I think about hope, especially this day and age. There's a lot of people out there that feel hopeless. They're like, I don't know what my future looks like. I don't know how things will pan out. You know, even outside of just what we're currently going through as a society, you know, if if you talk about last year or the year before or what have you, there are a lot of people who feel lost. They just don't know where their life is going. They don't know their purpose. They don't know... They just, they just don't have a clue as to what's happening around them. And the good news about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that it was a restoration of hope. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But I want you to know, just get yourself excited right now because God has a word for you that's going to really stir up hope in your life. I'm going to start at Luke 24, verse 5. And this is a particular chapter where Jesus, he's already r- risen from the grave uh, but his disciples don't really know it. They, 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 they come actually to the tomb. At first, it's a couple of the women that go to the tomb and they're, they're looking for the body of Christ. They, they, they want to anoint the body of Christ. They want to just pay proper respects to his body. And they get to the tomb and they realize that it's empty, right? And Luke 24 verse 5 says, Then as they were afraid, then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, and they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? And these are angels actually speaking to them. And this is the question that they asked. Why do you seek the living among the dead? I love, I love the Bible because sometimes it poses questions that are like obvious, um, but it's really to stir your mind up. The reason why they were seeking is because they thought that he was still there. They thought the body was still there. But they asked that question in such a way to really jar their mind. You're looking for something that has life, but you've gone to a place where there is death. And I just feel to start off to tell you right now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is this. 
that you no longer have to go to dead places to find life. No more dead religion, no more dead experiences, no more dead relationships. Stop going to dead places to find life. Why, do you, why, why are you searching for life among the dead? Jesus isn't here, you know, and there are times people are looking for Jesus, but they're looking in dead places. They're looking where he once was. He once was laid here. He once did this. This used to be the case. And I just want to tell you right now, God is doing a new thing. And so right now, before I even get into the word with you, I just want to just release this over your life. No more deadness. No more looking for life in dead places. No more searching for things that, 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 you're, that you think will add value to life, but you're looking in places that are empty and void. Mm -mm. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is this, that your hope it won't be on things that are empty and aimless and fruitless and just vain. No, it will be placed on Jesus and not on what he just did in the past, but what he's doing right now. This is a new day for you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives you hope today. So get your hopes up today. Let me read continually on in that same chapter, Luke 24. I'm going to jump in verse 13. And it says, now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. So imagine these two people are talking about all the events that took place. Jesus draws near, but they see him, but they don't recognize that it's actually Jesus. And he says to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk? And here's the key words I want you to think about and are sad. Again, almost like a silly question. Jesus is asking a question that, duh, don't, don't, you, don't you know the answer to that? He says, why are you sad? Why are you guys talking about this thing and you look sad? And look at their response. Verse 18, then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which had happened here uh, these past days? Like, God, like, what are you talking, are you like lost? Is your head buried in the sand? You don't know what just happened? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the response they gave him. And look at his response in verse 19. He said to them, what things? So they said, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And he, these are words I want you to remember. Look at what they say in verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. So this is the reason why they were sad. He says, why are you guys sad? What are you talking about? And they were saying, didn't you hear? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? You don't know about what happened? You don't realize that there was someone, a great prophet, a great man of God who died a gruesome death? And these are the words, we were hoping, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. I'll pick up there in a little bit, but let me just stop and ask you, are there things you once hoped for 
that you're no longer hoping for. That's the reason why you're probably sad. Think about it. Jesus said, why are you sad? Their words located them. The reason why they were sad is because they stopped hoping for something. They looked at this person named Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and they thought it was he that was going to redeem Israel. But because he died, and now it's been three days since he died, they realized, oh, well, I guess our hopes are dashed. I guess he is not the one. I guess he's not the one that's to redeem Israel. I guess he's not the king that we thought he was. And they were walking sad. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to, the, went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now imagine that. I hope you're following everything that I'm reading here. You have women who come, they're like, whoa, we came to the tomb and we thought that we would see a dead body. Instead, the tomb was empty. And more than that, we saw angels. And these angels said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here. He rose. Go and tell the rest. The women do exactly that. They go and tell the rest. And notice their reaction. They're still sad. They are still in a state of hopelessness. And they even sent people to the tomb to see if these women were correct. And they saw it exactly as the women saw it. They went to the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. But there's the difference. They didn't make the same conclusion. They went to the tomb, didn't see a body, but somehow in their mind they thought somebody must have stole the body. Somebody must have did something with the body. They didn't live with this reality. Whoa. In fact, Jesus is risen. And I want you to know something right now. Our hope, no matter what you're hoping for, if it's rooted in God's word, you never have to live a life of hopelessness because, as I love to say it this way, Jesus answered your biggest problem. Never forget that. Your biggest problem and my biggest problem was once we were doomed for eternal separation from God. That was our biggest problem. Jesus solved that. And as a result, there is never a day where you have to live a life void of hope. I want to tell you right now, there is hope available to you. Hope. Hope for what? Whatever you want, whatever you hope for. It could be your family being restored. It could be being married one day. It could be having children one day. Can you say to someone one of those things or any of those things, I was once hoping, but I'm no longer hoping for that. I was once hoping Remember, they were once hoping that it would be Jesus to redeem Israel. And they stopped hoping, not knowing that what looked like a dead situation was actually staring them right in their face, alive and well. Sometimes, you know, you could be like, I, you know, I, I once hoped that I could enter in this, in, in, in this field. I once hoped that God could use me in this way. I once hoped... That, that, that God would do this in my life. Who told you to stop hoping? Who told you that it's over? 
Who told you that this is not, or this is the end? Who told you that? Is it possible that you've given up on hope and you don't need to? Why? Jesus solved our biggest problem. He destroyed death. Death is the antithesis of hope. Whenever there is death, there is no hope. Death is the end of all things. When something truly is dead, there is nothing to hope for. When Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered death. As a result, he provided hope. There is always a reason to be hopeful. And I'm telling you right now, your best days are ahead of you. And the reason why is because Jesus conquered death. He conquered the enemy of hope. Ah, oh, thank God for that. I want you to know right now, you can be filled with hope. I remember um, when my wife and I were trying to have children. Again, we had a daughter, uh, Sophia, who's our blessed, beautiful princess. And we believed that God wanted to add to our family. And we had some challenges along the way. But one of the things that kept us going was to, to, to realize that God is the author of hope. The Bible says this, now abide love, faith, and hope, these three things. And the greatest of these is love. But notice this, these three things abide. So long as you're alive, there is hope. And I remember there were days that it was difficult for us to just keep that hope alive, keep that joy alive, keep that desire alive. And there were times where we wanted to quit, at least myself. I remember there were times where I felt like, you know what, this is just not worth it. Maybe, maybe it's just not in the cards, you know? Maybe it's just, maybe that time has passed. Sometimes those thoughts would come, uh, but the Lord would not allow me to get to a place where I lived just void of hope. And the Lord would just arrest my heart, no. I have hope for you. I have children, more children for you. I have something in the future for you. Don't lay your hope down. And it took time, it took, it took faith, but we would re-energize our hearts and thank God, Lord, that children are in our future. And today, we not only have one, but we have two beautiful boys, Saj and Seth. And that is a result of allowing our hope to remain. Let me tell you something. There is a difference between faith and hope. They're, they're like brothers and sisters. They're very closely connected. But faith is just believing for something. It could be something in the future. You could believe for something presently. You could even believe something in the past. You could believe that, uh, you know, Jesus died for your sins, right? That's something that happened in the past. You can believe these things. But hope always has to do with the future. Hope always has to do with something you long for with pleasure, with desire, with anticipation. It's like if you're on the platform of, of, of the train stations or, or the bus stop and you're looking, you're looking for that light. I don't, I don't know if you can relate to this. Maybe you take the subway at, you know, in New York, you know, you're on the platform, maybe you're late for work and you, you keep putting your head out looking. And what are you looking for? You're looking for light. You're looking for that light that tells you the train is about to approach, the train is coming. Your hope is that the train would be there. And that's what God is saying. There is light coming towards you. There is hope available for you. You may feel delayed, but you're not. I demonstrated the greatest act of all history. I raised Jesus from the dead and I conquered death and I conquered the enemy of hope. And right now you have hope available for you. Don't lose sight of that. 
Don't relinquish it. Don't give it up. Hope is yours today. Oh, man, right where you are, shout amen if you can. Let me tell you something. This is a wonderful word to remember. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women uh, of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. And then, as I said, they came back and they saw that these words were true. Verse 25, then he said to them, oh, foolish ones. Now Jesus is a little irked. He's like, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let me just give you two things concerning this hope. Number one, you have a living hope, a living hope. If you can just follow along with me and maybe, maybe even write that down so you can remember, you have a living hope. And the reason why that's important to remember is because there are people who are hoping a lot of things, but their hope is dead. They're hoping for things that will never come to pass. They're hoping for things that will never have any value or add any meaning to their life. But that's not true for you. You have a living hope. This is found in 1 Peter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. That means he has brought us as children to himself to a living hope, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this is the hope that we would have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. Man, there's a lot there. I wish I could just sit on that for a little bit. You have a hope of an inheritance that's incorruptible. You know, I was looking at um, a plaque that I was given some time ago, um, just a few days in my office, and I was just looking at how it had some smudge on it. You know, maybe you have a, a, a wall where you have some trophies, or maybe even your diploma, or something that speaks of an accomplishment. As beautiful as that is, as wonderful as it is to look at it and to say, man, I did that. Look at that accomplishment. Do you realize that it's corruptible? It will fade. It won't look as crisp as it once did. It won't have the same luster. It won't have the same effect. But this is different. This is, this is a different kind of hope. This is a different kind of hope that brings you into an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't appreciate as often, as, as much as I should, the things that are reserved in heaven for me. I'll be honest. I'm not proud to say it, but I recognize that my heart, oftentimes, I'm just so motivated about what God wants to do here on earth and what he's... What, what, what is he saying to me now and, and all the things that are now and the glory of God that is now. And I'm not thinking about heaven a lot of times. But if I'm going to be truthful with you, that is an immature way of thinking. You know, we should think about eternity. There are things that you won't experience on earth, but you will experience in heaven. There are rewards waiting for you in heaven. And that, that matters. 
And we should rejoice over that. It should delight our heart. It should motivate us. It should excite us to know that, yeah, maybe on this planet, maybe on this earth, maybe in this lifetime, there's certain things I won't see, certain things I won't experience, there's certain things that I have to wait until I'm in glory. But you know what? That doesn't make it any less valuable. It makes it even more special. And I want to tell you right now, we should get excited, not just for the things that God wants to do here, and he wants to do a lot of things here. Praise God for that. But we should get excited about the things that he has reserved for us in heaven. Man, there are things reserved for you in heaven. There are things that have your name on it. And the Bible describes it as incorruptible, undefiled, things that will never fade away, things that will never lose its luster, never lose its value, things that will never look, you'll never look at it and be like, yeah, you know, I gotta be honest with you, I have trophies when I was 10 years old, when I used to play baseball, I got trophies when I was, you know, in fifth grade, and, and, and when I got it, oh, as a 10-year-old, as an eight-year-old, whatever, I was so excited, oh, a trophy, but now you look at it like, man, this is a little cheap little thing, like, I got so excited over this, it lost its value to me, to be honest with you. There's, certain, there's something about it that doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, I can still appreciate the past, but there's some things I look at, I'm like, okay, that was cute. That was cool. You know, it was, I'm glad I did that. I'm, I'm glad I have that. Mm, but there is something waiting for me in heaven that I'll never look at and be like, wow, that was, that was cool. No, it's called an incorruptible inheritance, undefiled, that will never fade away. That's the hope we have. Man, I, I'm, I'm just, I wish I could run. I'm t I wish I could run right here, right? I, I, I hope, matter of fact, you guys can run. Just run. If you have to run where you are, just shout, jump, twirl. Do, I mean, think about that. Think about that. You have something that will never be defiled, ne never will be corrupted, and will never fade away. And it's waiting for you. And that's the living hope that you have in Jesus. Praise God. Man, I'm so excited about that. Let me just say one more thing that's going to really bless you. Not only do we have the hope that is to come when we, when we are in glory, but you also have hope for today. You have hope for today, not just for the future. So, Let's just bring it to today. Like, what do you need to have hope for today? Because you may be sitting here and you're like, all right, Pastor Ernst, that's cool. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on the heaven thing. And all right, we have something waiting for me. I'm glad about that. But what about today? What about now? What, what can I actually rest my hope in today? Because I got some things that I'm going through today. I have some challenges that I'm experiencing today. Well, Here's something that's going to encourage you. John 11, verse 23. This is a very, very familiar portion of scripture uh, to many people who have studied the ministry of Jesus. This is when Jesus raised his good friend, Lazarus, from the dead. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And um, Jesus delays, you know, he delays coming to Lazarus' um, help. Because Jesus knew that Lazarus was at the point of death. He knew that he was about to die. And Jesus could have prevented him from dying. Jesus could have said, guys, we got to rush to Lazarus' help. He's dying. I need to minister to him. But in fact, the Bible says that he actually waited even longer. 
He let his friend Lazarus die. I mean, there's no other way of saying it. He let him die. And so he finally comes to the scene. He finally comes to where all the family is gathered. Mary and Martha, they're crying. Everybody is sad. And he's having a conversation with them. And Jesus says to her, he says, your brother will rise again. Right? And Martha said to him, yeah, I know that he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, you know, I really understand what I'm saying to you. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You know, I think that's very powerful because what Jesus was saying, well, let me start with what Martha was saying. Martha was saying, yeah, I know he's going to rise, but it's just not today. And I think that a lot of people, when they lose hope, sometimes this is what they say. I guess it's just not for today. I guess it's when I go to heaven. I guess it's at the last day. I guess when all of this is over with, that's when this will happen. And you know what Jesus is saying to you today? You don't get it. I am the resurrection. The resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. Yeah, it happened 2,000 years ago, but it's still happening. I'm telling you right now, he is still releasing his resurrection power. And I think many of us sometimes, we're putting things off for the future. We're saying, yeah, when this happens, when I get my act together, when I start this, when, when I stop this, when, when, when this person sees value in me, when these doors open, that's when my breakthrough will happen. That's when things will change. Sometimes we're even pushing it to eternity. One day in the future, in the sweet by and by. And Jesus is saying to you, you don't get it. You really don't get it. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not a thing outside of me. I am the resurrection. Wherever I am, things can resurrect. And that's why we can be hopeful today. Man, think about that. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall never, he, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Notice he put it right back on her. He said, look, I know who I am. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he'll live. He's going to live. But the question is this. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Or are you putting off for the future? Is it easier to believe that, yeah, in the future, when all is said and done, that's when this will happen. That's when I'll experience joy. That's when I'll experience healing. When I go to heaven, this is when this will happen. This, will, this is when this will happen. And I'm, I'm here to challenge you to know this, that Jesus is the resurrection. And he wants to resurrect your hope for today. If you need a resurrection of hope, would you just lift up your hands right where you are and say this with me, Father, today, fill my heart with hope. I believe that your son, Jesus, is the resurrected Savior, and he is the resurrection. Jesus, I choose to believe in your resurrection power. 
Yeah, right now, right now, God is, he's causing a resurgence of that hope. If you've lost your hope for certain things that God has promised you, right now, I sense a resurrection of that hope. God is the resurrection and he's in you. Look at this. He says, she says in verse 27, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is to come into this world. And then if you continue to read on, Jesus comes to the tomb. He says, I want you to roll away the stone where they buried Lazarus. And they gave him pushback. They said, you know, after, after all this conversation, sometimes we say, yeah, I believe, I believe. Yeah, 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 you're the son of God. I believe, I believe. But when it really comes down to it, when, when, it, when, it's, a, when it's about to happen, it's, we, 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 we get kind of afraid. And we're like, well, we sh are you sure, God, now you're going to do this? Like, really? I mean, I thought you were just talking metaphorically. I thought you were just talking just spiritually. You know, I thought you were just talking allegorically. I thought you were just trying to, you know, you were just giving a parable. You were just, no, Jesus is like, uh-uh, baby, I'm not giving parables. I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm talking straight talk. Right now, I'm the resurrection, and right now, I want to do this. And I believe that God is about to frighten you a little bit. He's going he's gonna to come to you in moments and in seasons where you're going to be like, really, God? I mean, like right now, like this is the opportunity I've been believing for. This is the person you've been promising me. This is the job. Th this is the health that you've been saying is mine right now. And you might get afraid. You might feel like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I ready or can it be? And this is exactly what happened. Jesus comes to the tomb. He's like, okay, I said, I, I've, I've done enough talking. Roll the stone away. And here come the excuses. Oh, are you serious, Jesus? Like, he's been dead for four days. Right now, there's a smell. It stinks. She's like, I don't care about no smell. You want to see your brother? Okay, but that stone is heavy. I mean, you, you, really? I mean, you weren't just talking flower talk? This is real talk? And she's like, yeah, this is real talk. I want to do something right now. I want to resurrect your hope right now. I want to change what I promised to change right now. You said you believe me, right? You said I'm the son of God, right? You said I'm the Christ, right? Well, right now, open up your heart and let me breathe into that situation. Roll away the stone. Roll away the blockades. Roll away whatever you've been hindering me from entering into. I know it smells. I know it's unpleasant. I know it's something that's uncomfortable, but I want to breathe resurrection life and power into your life. Will you allow me to? And that's what Jesus is saying. And the Bible says that they finally rolled away the stone. Can you imagine that? Roll away that heavy stone and the stench that hit them. Ooh. My God, something that's dead and has been dead for four days, a corpse. Jesus stood right in front of it, said, Lazarus, come forth. And that's what Jesus is saying to you also. Come forth. Come forth. Maybe there's some things that have died. Maybe there's some things that your, your hope is no longer there for anymore. It's no longer there. You're, you're like, well, I used to believe for this. I used to, I used to hope for this. I used to think this Maybe you're like those two guys walking down the road. We were hoping. I was hoping that this would happen. Mm-mm. Stop hope. Stop, stop, stop laying your hope down on the dust. No, no, it's time to pick it up again. It's time to pick it up again. Jesus is not bothered. He's standing right in front of whatever smells, whatever's uncomfortable, whatever, whatever, whatever stone needs to be rolled away. He's unmoved. He's unbothered. And he stands as the resurrected Savior, ready to resurrect your hope again. Will you allow him in? Come on, it's the time for that right now. Let me give you one other thing that's going to bless you. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 1, 19 and 20. 
because here's the good news I want you to know. That same resurrection power is in you. Man, think about this. The scripture says that Paul prayed, and this is what he prayed for the church of Ephesus. He prayed that they would know the exceeding greatness of his power towards them who believe. The exceeding greatness of his power. I want you to know, this is what Paul was praying. I want you to know how much power God has towards you. That means the amount of power that God has made available for you. God is not like, well, you know, you don't need that much kind of power. No, no. I want to I give you something that is just immeasurable. And he describes his power this way. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. In other words, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is that same power that is in you. Let me say it this way. This, this is how it really hit me earlier. When Jesus was resurrected from the grave, this took place and it never took place before or after. You may say, well, didn't other people get resurrected from the grave? Wasn't Lazarus resurrected from the grave? This was different. Jesus was the first person to be resurrected from the grave to never die again. Think about that. He was raised from the grave and he lives forevermore. Many people were raised from the grave before. Many people were raised from the dead before, but they died later. Jesus was the first. The Bible calls him the first fruits. He's the first fruits, the one that died and that was resurrected to never die again. That is now our, that is now our future. We will also one day die, but we will also resurrect and never die again. Jesus was the first one to do this. And here's the thing I want you to leave, I want you to grab from this. The power of God is such that it can do things that has never been done before. And I'm speaking this over your life, that whatever has never been done before, because resurrection power is in you, God is prepared to do things that has never been done before. And he's doing it on your behalf because that same power that raised Jesus from the grave is, is at work in you. Come on, point to yourself and say, that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the grave is at work in me. That's the kind of power that the apostle Paul prayed. And he says, I want you to know about this power. I want you to have intimate knowledge of this power. I want you to be acquainted with this power. I don't want this power just to be a nice storybook in the Bible that you just say amen to. No, I want this power to come alive in you. I want you to see this power resurrecting the hopes and dreams of your family, of your health, of your finances. I want you to see this resurrection power change the things that have plagued your mind. I want that resurrection power to be a reality in your life. I don't want it just to be something you say amen to on a Sunday and forget about it on a Monday. No, I want it to be a real thing. Every single day you're alive and, and, and aware of this power that is at work in you. That's what's available to you today. Come on, get excited. Jesus didn't raise from the grave just for, him, just for us to just wait until he comes back for his church. No, he raised from the grave so that we can say that we can take that same power and resurrect things that have died, resurrect hopes that have been dead, resurrect dreams that have been dead. This is the time for you to resurrect those hopes 
It is available to you today. It is in Jesus Christ. It is for you now. It is not just for the sweet by and by. It is not just for the things to come in heaven and eternity. It is for today. You can have hope for today. And I'm declaring over your life, you will be a person of hope. You will be hopeful. You will get your hopes up. You won't get, you won't be afraid of having a, a, a hope and then being disappointed. No, the Bible declares hope does not make a shame. Oh no, because the love of God has been poured inside of your heart. You will hope again. You will believe again. Your hope is being restored right now. This is your year, not just 2020, but this is your decade. I'm telling you for the rest of your life, you will see the power and the resurrection power of God at that in your life in immeasurable ways, and it will be to the glory of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good place to shout. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. He is the resurrected Savior. He is alive forevermore. He has the keys of death and Hades in his hands, and he's holding those keys on your behalf. He is the one that is resurrecting your hopes, your dreams. He is the one that is sustaining your life. He is the one that is that has marked out your future, that has called, that has called you to a glorious future, called you to a glorious end. He is the one that has written out your life. He is the one that has established your coming and your going. He is the resurrected Savior today. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a shout of praise if you believe that. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for being the resurrected Savior that you are. Lord, we bless you. We honor you. Oh, we praise you. We glorify you. Oh, Father, we're excited today. This is a good day to see your power. I'm right now speaking where you need resurrection power at work in your life. Lord, let your power be seen in the lives of your people. Do it now in Jesus name. If you need healing in your body, lay your hands on your body. Wherever there's a situation of pain, whatever you can contact, I want to declare health and healing. Be healed now in Jesus' name. I declare if you have a back problem, a spinal issue, something wrong with your bones, I'm declaring strength come to your bones right now. I'm declaring that you are whole in Jesus' name. You have said, oh, I'll just live with this. My mom had this. My dad had this. I've had this for many years. No, right now, God is restoring your hope. You won't have it anymore. Your bones are coming. Coming into alignment. Your back is being straightened. I see your back being whole, being, held, being, being made well. This is your portion. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Oh, glory to God. I'm excited. Woo! I'm, I'm, really, I'm really pumped. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I wish there was a crowd of people right now. I preach this just even more fiery, but I believe you can sense the glory of God entering your home right now. That, that glory is causing you to realize that hope is not lost. It is yours in Jesus name. I'm going to close up right now, but I want to welcome every and everybody, any, any and everybody that's watching me. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, make this the best Easter you've ever had by receiving Jesus right now. Maybe that's all you know is Easter. You know, you, you know about the Easter bunnies and, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the candies and the Easter games and all that stuff. And you dress up for church and, you know, but Jesus has something bigger than that. Bigger than bunnies and rabbits and eggs and candy and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Jesus wants to save your soul. He wants to change you forever. He wants to wash you. He wants to save you from hell. And all you need to do is to receive him as your Lord and Savior. 
It's good news. Let me tell you something. I don't have religion to offer you. I don't have a whole bunch of steps. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. No, that's religion. Religion is man trying to get to God. God is saying, no, 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 you can't get to me. I had to come to you. All you have to do is receive. That's relationship. Relationship is receiving. Yeah. And what do you do to receive? You just say, Lord, come into my life. I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the grave. Would you do that right now? Pray with me. Say this. Say, Father, today I recognize that I am a sinner needing a savior. Jesus, you're that savior. You're the only one that died for me and rose on the third day. Thank you for dying for me. Be my Lord. Be my savior. I receive you now. Amen. If you prayed that, let me tell you something. You are forever changed on the inside. Something remarkable took place. Something amazing took place. The Holy Spirit entered you, made you a brand new person. You may look the same. You may, you know, if you, had, if you had a pimple on your forehead, you still have a pimple probably. I'm sure of that. But inside, you are completely different. You're a new person. I want to help you grow in this new walk. Would you do me the honor? Let me know that you prayed this. Send me an email right now. Go to, you can email me at info at nylifechurch.com. I'm going to send you an email right away. That email is going to give you some information on how to grow this relationship. Things you can do, basic things of how to get stronger as a new believer, as a Christian. Give me the honor to help you walk out this walk. Like I said, I don't have a whole bunch of steps for you. I don't have religious steps for you. I just want to help you grow in this relationship with Jesus. He'll do all the rest. The Holy Spirit will do all the rest. He'll help you. He'll teach you. He'll, he'll, he'll put you in the right places. God got you. Just give us the opportunity. Let us know that you made that decision. And we just want to help you in your walk with Jesus. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for what God is doing. This is a great day to be alive. Church, I love you. I'm just so excited to be able to preach to you and minister to you the wonderful good news of Jesus Christ. You know, as we close out today, I just want to once again say thank you for every person who, have been, who has been faithful. You know, we have not been able to meet as a church, as you know, for uh, going on like a full month now, a complete month almost. And um, that's okay. You know, uh, Jesus is still reaching his people. But I want to say thank you for still being faithful in your tithing and in your giving of offerings. If you don't know, tithing is simply dedicating 10% of your income to the work of the kingdom of God. This is something that you see in the Bible, you know, and we can honor God by giving 10% of what he has blessed us with. And so I want to challenge you. Don't be afraid in these times to be generous, not just to the work of the kingdom, but to people. I, I understand maybe you're thinking about the outlook of the future and maybe you're like, well, you know, it doesn't look so great for the economy. And, and maybe you're making some judgments about what you can and cannot do. All I'm saying to you is this, whatever the Lord blesses you with, tithe off of that. That's it. You don't have to do more than that. Be a blessing to the kingdom of God as God blesses you. Whatever he gives you, honor him with a tithe. Secondly, I want to challenge you to do this because the Bible teaches this as well give an offering. How much should I give you, ask? That's up to you. Above and, beyond your, above and beyond your tithe is an offering that you decide. So if you want to give a dollar, give a dollar. You want to give a million, give a million. It doesn't matter. It's really up to you. That's what you call an offering. Anything above and beyond, something that you decide that you want to honor God with. 
I just want to challenge you and encourage you. Be generous in your offerings. As you do, we're able to do the things that God has called us to do. God bless you. Thank you for your giving. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our website at www.nylifechurch.com and click on the gift tab. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Go and live a purpose-driven life.